Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us again on another episode of Ay, 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 ay. <laughs> ay, 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 ay. I can't do it, brother. Today. <laughs> what? <laughs> I can't. I have nothing today. <laughs> well, let's, uh, you just turn now, right? Yeah. Yes. Hey. Ay, ay, ay. <laughs> hey, that was that was better than mine right now. Let me tell you, that oh, was you, you get the you get the I I I award today. Yeah. Hey, I, I'm down in uh, Central Texas, right? So you hear that a lot. Oh, there you go. And and that's what us, we we talk about that. You know how that is a common term here quite a bit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think it it resonates across you know the international world a little bit. So here we are. Oh yeah, I, I worked in a cattle ranch um, in Montana for a few weeks, and um, you know, I just said that over and over. It, it it probably was a cringe to everybody in Montana. They're like, "What is this guy trying to say? He doesn't say it right." <laughs> but thank you all to uh, for for you know giving us the opportunity to talk to you and bring to your world. Uh, the subject uh, and the topics of AI from different perspectives, right? Um, I, I have some IT background. I, I've worked in uh, uh, some industries that are IT related and some industries that are not IT, which is the military. And Anuj is another veteran who's, uh, who's been in the military okay. world for a very long time. And lucky being lucky who fought the cyber offense for a very, very long time. Uh, so we have uh, multiple disciplinaries here. Uh, I think Anuj has medical background that he's coming from medical side of things. Um, we want to be able to bring those different different perspectives into the conversation about AI and machine learning. And we can all agree machine learning is the key word where the AI we can have disagreements on. But machine learning is that potent topic that we can all agree that it is a very powerful tool and it's a very powerful process that we all should take advantage of. Um, so with that, um, my name is Asif and I'm here with Anuj and Lucky. Um, Anuj, please make an introduction. Hey, uh, thanks for having me. Um, so my name is Anuj, 18-year um, Army combat veteran. Uh, I was a combat medic for 18 years Ended up medically retiring, um, which is unfortunate. Two years short, but uh, it all worked out in the end. And I, you know, your audience is going to be veterans and stuff. I want them to know that even through the medical uh, board or medical discharge process, you still get taken care of. It all works out in the end. And I know there's a lot of fear, uncertainty, and doubt around that, but uh, it works out. So, 18 years in the army. As a combat medic, somewhere around 2010, I decided I want to go into tech after the military. Uh, so I started going to college, ended up doing a bachelor's in computer science and a master's in IT management. Um, after that, I think around 2015, I actually ended up getting uh, Security Plus on a bet with one of my S6 NCOs. Uh, I was a medic. He was he was in the shop. He had a bunch of soldiers that were going to take the, the CompTIA Security Plus certification. I said, you know, I bet you I could walk in and take the test. <laughs> what? And so I paid my $302. I went to the education center on Schofield Barracks and I passed the test. No. Are you kidding me? You are oh. kidding me right now. No. So... The point being, 
that we have so much knowledge in your Good head. Good job. Good job. Yeah. If you right. just tap into it from say, you know, your years and years of repetitive information awareness training, you have the basics of security and then you can build from there. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So did that medically retired. Uh, I had the fortunate opportunity to use a program called Education and Employment Initiative because med boarding soldiers and airmen do not get the uh, luxury of using SkillBridge or hiring our heroes fellowships. Uh, so I used the E2I program and was able to go in for a 60-day internship at Accenture thanks to uh, uh, that program. And while I was there, I learned about this thing. They said, hey, what do you want to do? Do you want to do logistics or we have this thing called service now would you like to try that and i said sure <laughs> uh, wow so that's the first time i ever heard of service now and i'm going through this program and i'm like man this is a lot like like not it's similar to it's not the same as but working with sharepoint when i was in say the operations cell you know building low code no code mm -hmm solutions and charts and dashboards. And um, in that two months, I learned enough JavaScript and HTML along with doing the foundations of ServiceNow to land a job with Deloitte. Nice. Um, so if I can do it, just about anybody else can do it. I promise yep. you that. Um, it's just remembering how to translate those skills from military terms into resume right so i did the year with deloitte i'm now with a new company called new rocket um I'm, I'm pretty excited deloitte was a big big company absolutely phenomenal company um but i was looking for at this stage in my life i see myself as i've completed one career and now i want to give back so uh i went to a much smaller firm firm that's only 500 550 people deep and I saw an opportunity to help build from there. So I'm still fresh. This is my second week there. Uh, ask me any questions you want about New Rocket. Uh, so far, the experience has been absolutely phenomenal. I've never experienced anything a welcome like that ever before. Wow. Lucky, can you believe the Security Plus in the first time? Wow, that that is amazing. Um, congratulations. That's. That's a feat, you know, and, and, and you're right. You know, as long as you think about security and the way things are compartmentalized and, and how um, there's layers of security and rules, uh, roles, um, and things kind of, you, you can you logic your way through a test, you know? And then exactly. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, so, I think, I think uh, uh, Lucky, when you are teaching Network Plus, um, you know, you see some of the concept that is a network plus and the security plus, they kind of, you know, come together at a certain point. I think Anuj yeah. might be interested in network plus as well. That's something mm -hmm. Anuj can uh, knock out very easily. Once he oh, understands yeah. the, uh, what's that, uh, what's those math uh, IP addresses? <laughs> yeah, they, <laughs> He's able to calculate the subclasses and I think he can knock it out very quickly. Yeah, oh, yeah. a lot of the stuff overlaps, you yeah. know, CompTIA's logic, um, a lot of the, the domains overlap and then some of the focus is stronger in some areas and that's how CompTIA teaches. So it, 
I think you would do great. But, yeah. you know, I want to find out more of what you do uh, at your new company and uh, with machine learning and, and if that's the focus. Well, um, what are you focusing on in uh, New Rockets? So at New Rocket, I'm going to be going into the HR module of ServiceNow and helping them do development on uh, those types of systems. You know? mm -hmm. So I'm not quite into what we're going to be doing exactly, but mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm fairly fresh. So I, I'm with you. In some cases, there's I've, I'm looking into opportunities in the VA, and, and that's where I wanted to say thank you. Uh, first of all, I didn't say it, but Anuj, thank you for all your service and, and everything you've done. Um, um, I, I've worked for the VA about 20, some 22 years um, and in their security area. Uh, uh, and before that, I worked in security areas in different parts of the government. Um, and I just want to say thank you for what you've done. And I know that it's hard, you know, coming in and transitioning, you know, unless you're really laser focused and, and you know where you're going. And sometimes, honestly, dumb luck, you know, sometimes you just get walked into things and you got to just be ready. You know, uh, I think a big part of, you know, being out in, 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 in supporting different parts of the government and the armed forces, you learn that you're able to always be able to be ready and, and, and be able to transition and make changes and moving over from the armed forces into, uh, the private public sector, you have to be, you know, myable. You have to be somehow, you have to be able to transition and, uh, that that's hard in itself. And so congratulations there. Um, but yeah, the security field and you entered a hot, hot area, you know, I, I'm looking at it now that as far as where we are just, you know, as Asu said, there's, you know, we saw, I saw this being, you know, machine language and, and AI type of introductions into, you know, production type environments that we were maybe 15 years away. And the way I see it now, we could be, you know, we could see real time machine learning algorithms in production environments as products in the next year or so um, for things that are structured, at least, you know, I see that being a possibility. And so I, I didn't see that, you know, two years ago. And so you're coming into a hot area. And so again, thank you for what you've done. Um, and, and thank you for your support. Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I think people, the, the big area to learn is I think people need to learn it's understanding the differences between AI and machine learning, you know, you know, what the different levels are. And I don't know, do, do you, can you help, help us with that a little bit or? Yeah, first I wanted to back up just a little bit, you know, yeah. we were talking about certifications and, you know, getting into AI and machine learning. How, how does a veteran do that? It's translating your skills. You work with SharePoint. Most people don't. You work with PowerPoint making presentations for, the colonel or the general, most people don't. Uh, you already have those skills. You just have to showcase those as your primary responsibilities uh, rather than say an infantryman would use whatever uh, metrics that they use. Uh, so those certifications are important, yes. But I've, I've seen soldiers in the army that uh, 
that can perform at a much higher level than anybody that's certified. Um, I have a personal belief about certifications. The, the reason I went out and did the CompTIA Security Plus on a bet was because I, I, I really don't believe in certifications. I think we've gotten too certification heavy in this industry, period. Um, it's the, the school of hard knocks, the school of life, right? That can that enables a veteran to use those life lessons, come and rapidly learn the technical, and then implement it, not just mindlessly, but with that approach that, hey, it's ingrained in me. The military decision-making process is ingrained with me. I'm doing a constant risk analysis. I'm mm -hmm. thinking big picture. Where do the dots connect? And then go from there with a, a deeply, deeply uh, service mindset. Oh man, you you are you are hidden on some that uh, we you're you're hidden on two topics here, right? You're hidden on that 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 HR related topic, right? The HR is to say, how do I find a profile, and from that profile, I find that human being that's behind that profile, and then have that human being or person or, or whoever it is, veteran, non-veteran, um, you know, somebody who has lots of experience in life and somebody who doesn't have any experience in life. How do I take that profile and tr um, look at that person and then see that person as a whole and then take that person and consider that person as part of my team, right? Um, that's HR, I think, in, in my opinion, like, you know, they're looking at lots of resumes and turning that resume into a team member. Right. So there's a lot of transitional uh, phase there and there's a lot of, uh, you know, risk associated with, you know, the time invested into a person who's going to, you know, improve your team dynamics. Somebody who will bring to the table the skill sets that you need in order to have a team deliver. Right. Because that's ultimately at the end of the day of uh, capital. Uh, um, what is it called? We are we are a capitalist society and, and the society we expect to have a business and the business that delivers. So the long rant that I just went through is to explain you know, for, for, for the HRs to do the HRs job, um, there, there's a whole lot of um, not knowing that, that vulnerability that's out there, right? There's a lot of risk taking um, because HR is what creates a successful company in U.S. or worldwide, right? Um, and that's been very much one of my favorite topics to discuss because I, I, I focus on workforce as a whole, um, so even if I talk about AI machine learning, I'm actually coming at it from the workforce perspective, as in that workforce in a whole, like, you know, HR is part of that workforce, right? How can the HR do better at hiring so that way, um, you know, we have a system in place that is admirable, right? Admirable that other countries or other places or other businesses will follow that format of hiring, right? So if we, and I don't mean like we as in the country or we as in whoever, Whoever does that HR um, role and then has AI machine learning behind it and they're able to set in a standard where people are getting the roles that they need without the certifications in the middle as a means to get into the door, right? Because like you said, there are lots of people that are super focused on what it is that they want to accomplish in life. Um, what that means is that they're not focused on other things that most people are, right? As say, for example, somebody who's very good at taking tests, has a lot of certification, but never really focused on getting the mission done. 
right? And mission done as in means like, you know, work in a team environment, provide for the team, provide for that organizational goals and, you know, having that team dynamic uh, built into their personality, right? Um, they're heavily focused on certification and th- that's what they focused on. Where the other person, the HR will completely miss out because that person probably didn't even ready their resume, right? Um, and I think AI machine learning world that I envision where we will have a trust mechanism built into machine learning and profiles, right? So that resume that you see in front of you, a machine learning, and lucky, stop me if I, you know, don't go uh, <laughs> go too much into blockchain, uh, which I will try to not to do in an AI podcast, but blockchain technology will allow that resume to have a blockchain trust built into it and a machine learning in order to provide a solid foundation for that uh, scorekeeping of how reliable is that resume or profile and um, and and what are some of the things that are missing as far as uh, using multiple uh, sets of data about a person and say like, you know, how do we put those together uh, and create a profile to see like what sort of team person this person um, this this profile is right like you know what kind of team is he good fit for what sort of contribution and attributes does this have person Excuse me, let me repeat that. Um, what kind of contribution can this person make with all the things that we uh, we can put together in a profile for this person? Um, so when you hire, you hire with confidence. You hire with that um, scoring that you can say like, okay, we're, we definitely use blockchain because, you know, not today, but 10 years down the road, we're tracking somebody's career progress and we're tracking their ability to perform using blockchains. And, you know, you, you can manipulate blockchain on your own, but... Many people, when they contribute to your performance as a team member, come in and says, you know, um, using blockchain technology, we all voted Anuj to be the best person ever to be the 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 you know the best JavaScript developer, right? We can all vote for that, and once we vote for that, there's a machine learning technology that we can in- introduce in order to keep track of all the best Java developers in the world, right? And we build profiles like that so that way Anuj doesn't have to chase around resumes and certifications and things like that in order to develop a profile for himself, right? Um, I'm going to stop right there. I, I think I'm kind of going in to a lot of the thought process here, but Anuj, you brought up a heavy, heavy point here, which is that mm-hmm. we need to change this uh, the HR system that we have in place right now that is heavily certification-based, heavily based on somebody's education and certification, not so much on their experience. Yeah, and I mean, the only way to do that with machine learning and AI is to use it. And it's going to be a pain in the butt to get there. Uh, but the machine needs to learn. And we need yep. we need to be able to tell it what we're looking for, obviously. Um, in the meantime, you know, you, you talk about how can we, you know, bring in veterans to this space and know that they're going to be a good fit for our team or what have you. And I, I go back to try it before you buy it, right? There's programs like DOD Skillbridge, Hiring Our Heroes, Hire Military, you know, uh, American Corporate Partners, whatever it is. And that veteran, you don't have to pay them. You don't have to give them benefits. All you have to do is guide them and how you want them to function in your organization. And if it takes, you've got a great employee on your hands. If it doesn't, nothing lost. You know, you give a veteran a, uh, uh, say, a, 
uh, a Microsoft planner board and say, week one, I want you to do this, these tasks. Week two, you're going to shadow this person. Week three, I want you to go through XYZ course. And then week four is going to be your culminating exercise where you're going to build out an app on this platform. And the lead developer is going to spend some time with you and see how you did. There's no risk in that. Uh, I, you know, that 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 teaching moments, right? Uh, excuse me, the teaching technology, right? Like as in teaching that machine learning on how to develop these ability to identify, label, and make a decision, right? As in a system will identify a person's profile and will label that correctly to say like, you know, I've went through the full profile. And, and by profile, I could say, it could be a LinkedIn profile. And I think LinkedIn has majority of the data yes. that I am talking about at this point, right? It has that ability to vote. So, you know, you have thousand people connected with you on LinkedIn from your previous um, interactions with those thousand people. And those thousand people can vouch, say, hey, this guy is really mm -hmm. good at project management or SharePoint, right? And if you're that good at SharePoint, machine learning should be able to say, okay, what else is he good at, right? So he has all these things mentioned. And then, you know, machine can go through this profile and learn and score very well on who's good at what, right? Um, now, there's a lot of danger zone in there, like a lot of gray zones that we, people might not get the right scoring, you know. But that's a process that machine learning, all machine learning, any machine learning, doesn't have to be HR machine learning, all machine learning has to go through a teaching phase, as in it has to be taught. It has to be built in a way that the machine is learning over time. So it's kind of like raising a child from crawling to, you know, walking and running, right? Um, we don't want to implement that machine today. But if you look at LinkedIn, just as it is right now, and you say, okay, how do we take this LinkedIn that we have and put machine learning into it? So, you know, it's continuously learning about each of those user profiles and users experience and encouraging other users to vote this user to say like, hey, would you vouch for this person that has this skill set? And what do you think about their skill set? Like, how do you how do you score that? And um, I think machine learning capabilities that is coming down the pipe will heavily look just like that, where we will use LinkedIn profile and take that LinkedIn profile to say, you know, Regardless of certification, this person actually has worked on Scalebridge on this topic, and they're really good at this uh, topic here. Um, and I, I think, you know, if you can imagine like JavaScript, they use GitHub to upload the codes, right? <laughs> um, GitHub is highly, highly based on machine learning and AI, right? GitHub can actually provide you with codings that you need if you just type in what kind of coding you're looking for. And I believe the score right now is that 70% of the time, GitHub will provide you with the code that you actually need, and 30% of it is up to you to customize. Um, so think about it like, you know, how do we take GitHub and LinkedIn and say like, okay, this guy on LinkedIn, he has very uh, JavaScript-leaning experience, and then we take him to the GitHub and we actually follow through and say, you know, how do we store his uh, profile? Right, um, or how do we add uh, combine that information from GitHub and LinkedIn and give them a score in JavaScript? You know, um, so when somebody's in HR looking into you and they're like, "Yeah, has no certification on JavaScript, all he has an experience, but this is the guy we need," you know, because he's a good team member. You know, he's his team members are actually voting him in um, as as a good team team uh, contributor, right? Um, so let me not go too far, but blockchain is what I 
keep thinking about over and over as we speak on this topic, but uh, mm-hmm. I will stick to machine learning for now. <laughs> no, you're, you're right, though. At some point, you know, they, they're going to marry more where there has to be a digital ID to match. And, and, and I was having this conversation with one of our engineers, our, our security engineers, with, with, with designing bots um, uh, for specific services. And these bots are, you know, machine learning bots, you know, um, they're going to be, they consider them AI, but they're just bots, they're an algorithm. And we have to give credentials to these bots. Well, to give them credentials, we have to di- give them digital IDs, uh, which is, you know, a, a NIST certified certificate that's trusted across the entire organization to a service. Now, we've done this, you know, you give services to, you know, um, accounts and services all the time, but now... We're going to have a, a bot that's going to be trusted across multiple architectures. And we were trying to figure that out. You know, at some point, you know, they, they marry, you know, and they will more um, as, as blockchains and, and we add encryption, more encryption layers to these, you know, services. They're going to have to, because this is what I see without getting super technical, um, you know, cloud and government, they're starting to marry more. In the past couple mm-hmm. of years where they came up with FedRAMP and now Tick 3.0, which says, okay, you don't necessarily have to have this perimeter, this this castle and moat type of scenario. Now we're going to trust everything. And what's going to be the deciding factor is where the two trust zones meet, these little policy enforcement points. Well, that means that all code now, low code, no code, cloud code, um, micro code, anything before that was different now, a different environment that's protected by these perimeters now has to be trusted as it traverses end to end. And so now it's going to have to carry more secure encryption standards, digital IDs, more blockchain type of secure environments that will carry AI or machine learning, you know, marry the two disciplines, you know, at the end, because one's going to help the other. The other one helps us make sure that everything is what it is, you know, the integrity and then the other one is the availability of the data that going across, you know, now it's supposed to be faster, more available, you know, never goes down, you know, the availability goes up, but because of cloud and machine learning and all that comes from, you know, the processing and the support of cloud marrying up with the other disciplines of encryption and also now machine learning and AI, you know, before you couldn't talk about AI because you'd have to have a, an environment say okay well i'm doing ai well now we can't do that we don't have the budget for setting up an environment so we can do ai now with cloud you can just you know open up environments resources at will to do your testing and it's become more readily available and so yeah long story short i think that there's definitely a a, a marriage between the two that's 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 just it, it's just going to happen you know the two disciplines have to come together Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, keeping keeping security in mind, I'm probably going to blow everybody's mind here, but in my ideal world, in my mind, all databases everywhere would be able to communicate and this AI thing would be able to pull the right mm-hmm. information at the right time for the right person. Um, and that's really all it is. You know, then then you have that super mind that hive mind that can fix problems that can advance mm-hmm. our society and really prove to be an asset yeah boom boom and boom exactly 
Um, I think the problem that we, we talk about in this podcast time to time is that how we have shortages of hardware and how that shortage of hardware, the rare earth uh, elements that you need yeah. in order to develop this servers that you have in order to store this data and how this data will take up so much of the servers and then we run out of servers. Um, how do we keep that from happening as in how do we have AI that comes in and says, you know, I can learn this data without ever storing them anywhere. Because when we talk about cloud, we talk about serverless, but that doesn't necessarily mean mm-hmm. there isn't actually a server out there somewhere that's hosting those data, right? Um, those data, if we can't take the metadata and tag them properly and forget those data, right? Take what's necessary in metadata and store them somewhere, uh, where we don't have to run into the issues that we're running in with blockchain today. Uh, mm-hmm. Blockchain is heavily intensive when it comes to energy and also very intensive when it comes to hardware. Every house probably has 10 servers right now. Excuse me. Every house that is mining ser- uh, blockchain mm-hmm. probably has 10 servers inside. And uh, those 10 servers are, you know, adds up to like, you know, hundreds of thousands, extra millions of hardware that is not, you know, being used for anything but blockchain mining, right? Um, so yeah, when you said a hive mind, that hive mind comes from that artificial intelligence ability to take a data and say, I don't need to store that data anywhere. I just know the metadata and I tagged it and I know the importance of that data. So when you're calling for trust and score system, right? As in you have a profile and how do you trust that profile to be honest and truth and what, how do you score it? Um, that AI doesn't need the full data, like the not that uh, how many bytes would a data be like, say eight bytes, right? It doesn't need that. It just has that collection of metadata and tags, and and is able to approve that to so say this is the right score. This is the confidence level. Seventy five percent confidence levels in this profile, right? When somebody will have higher score, but then again, it's not going to be based on instantaneous scoring, as in that score just came up out of thin air today. It will be built over time. It will take months and days, you know, hours to build that profile, right? Um, because once you start, you eventually will have to track using blockchain technologies to say, like, can we can we develop the score uh, every hour? Can we keep the score going every hour, right? So let's say, for example, the ID that you talked about with bots. Okay, replace that bots with a person who comes to work every day, Right. So this person has a profile on LinkedIn and how do we keep scoring that LinkedIn profile on a daily basis? Because whatever that I, um, a profile that they log in with the, with LinkedIn, they log in also the GitHub, also log into the SharePoint, also log into their computer mm-hmm. at work, right? Exactly. Um, and they're able to track all those, um, now data privacy, mine, you know, I'm going to put the little hashtag there, data privacy, but it's necessary because if you have metadata, you don't really have anything other than metadata to go into deep, like what did he do today in JavaScript, right? That's not the information we need. We just need to know how much time did he actually spent on JavaScript and what sort of success score did he have using those codes, right? And then you track that and you track so many of those activities and over the years, you find a full profile that is auditable. You can audit that profile and say, these scores are legit because there hasn't been any sort of interruption. Nobody tried to hack into this blockchain um, or, or, or his uh, scorekeeping in order to you know make him look good or bad, whatever the case is. Um, and 
you know, because the data private data privacy is involved, we're not going to be able to see what he did or he didn't do. It will just give him a score of saying, okay, this is what he did mainly, right? Um, I know it's a little sensitive when it comes to data privacy, but at the same time, I hope I'm drawing a picture in the listener's mind to say, you know, like that's the way of the future. As in, we're running out of hardware, we're running out of space to put data in, and we will have to do so much more with data that we haven't done previously. Um, but it, it, there's no alternative. Like we have to use those kind of data in order to um, uh, go forward. I'll stop right there. <laughs> we're we're already there. You know, right. Mm-hmm. Everything that you're talking about, you know, you're you're talking about mimicking how the human brain works. There's there's studies, there's you know, proof out there that all you really need to see is the first two letters and the last letter of a word, and you can read it. Right. Your mind fills in the rest. That's right. Our own minds don't keep track of all the data. We use that metadata and context clues to put together what what we need for for daily life. Um, so we're we're already there. When you talk about LinkedIn, uh, yeah. I see. If, how did you find me? LinkedIn, absolutely. And we've never met face to face. Nope. And all I do is I put up one or two posts a week, maybe. Wow. You know, um, I put up a couple posts when when I have things that are important to me that are in line with what I want to do, and. It just the algorithm works. It shows yeah, it to the right yeah. people. That mm-hmm. is AI and machine learning. Mm-hmm. Absolutely right. Real world results. It's it's happening as we speak, and we will capture more and more of this data to build trust um, within this mechanism. So that way, you know, like within LinkedIn community, uh, I can reach out to you on a message, and you know, you say yes most of the time. I think they they do. Um, people, people probably don't even check their LinkedIn and maybe that's why they're not even answering. But I think in LinkedIn community, there's a lot of trust, uh, between people, uh, higher than other social media, because, you know, this is a very uh, professional setting. Um, what's happening on LinkedIn is the ultimate sign of what's about to come as far as mm-hmm. how the future workforce shapes itself. And I'll tell you, first thing is that we have a shrinkage of workforce. We don't have enough people to actually do the tasks that we need them to do. Um, and I don't mean it like a authoritarian where like, we need them to do this, right? It's just that we are being pushed into doing these tasks because we just, we just cannot sustain all the other ways we have been doing it, which is that we think of resource as it's available, right? It's in Best Buy. It's in, it's in the store near us or it's, in, it's available in Amazon Warehouse. Uh, well, if you have warehouse that is worldwide, you start feeling that shrinkage, right? Because now they're Amazon Warehouse in many other countries. So that way, you know, some of the things that you, you see available today will not be available in the future, right? Those hardwares will shrink because instead of, say, 50 states, now we have 55 some countries that will require these uh, hardwares, right? So accessing those hardware will become a little bit more scarce. So we will have to reduce the amount of hardwares we have because we are, we are or, seeing the type of the shrinkages that is happening today uh, with many things. But one of the shrinkages that we're seeing is workforce. And the, the prediction right now, and I think multiple uh, predictions, are like there are 125 millions or 97 million new jobs will come into the market because of AI. And that's going to happen very rapidly. As in, it, it, you know, it, it's like um, it's it's going to be it's going to be like a worldwide a need for AI machine learning development. Yeah. 
And and these predictions are coming because we we are seeing shrinkages of workforce, shrinkages of hardware, but the software that that need for the data to capture the data, the, to have that many data points and data acquisition, uh, the need for it is increasing in size, right? And as it increases, we have to find a way to not store it, but just to have a machine learning do the process of storing those data and use those data uh, without losing them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right on, on uh, what you guys are touching on. Um, just from personal experience, you know, I work with people that have been through, they have their PhDs, have their degrees in this and that, and they're well versed in their area of expertise. And, you know, they understand the ins and outs of the physical components of what it takes to help for healthcare. And then they're trying to translate that into some kind of service. And they, in most cases, that's where the gap is. You know, I, I'm working with guys now. They have these great ideas for machine learning and these great little case studies to work on them. But the gap is they can't bring the right individuals in to be able to bridge that gap to say, you know what? I know Python, you know, I know, I know um, something simple like Excel, or I know how to do select statements in databases to pull data, to be able to build some kind of, uh, at, at least, you know, with machine learning, depending if you have a neural network or if you're trying to develop just, you know, an algorithm at some point, but they don't have that, that person they can say, you know what, I don't know it completely, but I can work to develop it with you. Those are the hard people to find um, right now in the industry because the thing is, for it's hard to hire people uh, because of COVID in some cases. They, you know, a lot of the young kids now, they don't have that same desire to go out there and, and, and want to go to the next phase. And AI and machine learning, I'll be honest with you, my son, I've, I've taught him anything and everything that I could teach <laughs> when it comes to computing. Right. And it's a pretty deep basket or, you know, bag there. And, you know, it just doesn't interest him, you know, where I'm chomping at the bit, I'm drooling, thinking about vulnerabilities and, and buffer overflows or, you know, or, or, or you know, fuzzing and different things like that. And my son just says, ah, no, thank you. It's a different world for that. And it's hard to find those people with those types of skills. But that's what we need. And it's not that hard to teach. You know, it's, it's not that hard to teach someone Python. You know, I have curiosity. Yeah. That's, that's, that brings you right back to the skills that veterans bring to the table, right? Exactly. Um, and you want that on the ground perspective because right. like Lucky's thinking about all these technical terms. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sitting here lost going, well, how does that affect me as the consumer? That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, don't, I don't care about the back end stuff. Yep. I want results now. Results. Yep. It's it's Lucky's job to figure out how to get there. Right. I can tell you what I want, and that's how you're going to bring in new ideas. That yeah. and that's that's that transformation of veterans from the ground, as in that ground experience, and mm-hmm. come to the table where Lucky's is sitting on the other side of the table. Right. <laughs> um, Lucky is doing all the fuzzing, and Lucky is doing the Python coding, and the veteran comes in. Well, on the ground, this is what's most important. If mm-hmm. you start at fuzzing, if you start in that one corner of the coding, can you take it to somewhere in the middle, right? So that way we necessarily don't have... I'll give you one example. The best warfare that you want to fight in the future is one from the air, right? I'm an Air Force guy. Of course, I'm biased. You don't want any boots on the ground, 
Mm-hmm. It's happening already. It's not that I'm coming up with the fictional stories. This is happening. The warfare is moving into the air, if not to the space, right? Um, so when a veteran comes in and says, you know, not only do I have leadership skills, I can tell you what happens when I put that boots on the ground, yep. right? <laughs> These are the sort of activities that we have to provide. Can you move a drone into the space without anybody manning that drone, you know, like on on the target, you have somebody manning that drone from, say, somewhere in Nevada, right? Um, um, you, you're, those kind of abilities and those kind of perfection of having a warfare that is coming from the sky um, reduces the type of impacts that you will have. But somebody that is a coder has never really been on the ground. Um, they can only see a few, few steps in that process. But mm-hmm. as a veteran... Uh, who's going to talk about machine learning and where, what? So, so, so let's say, for example, somebody has a machine learning capability. They have multiple data points that they, they've figured out. A veteran can come into the table and say, no, these data points are perfect. I love it. But you have to have 50 more of these in different, different variables because those are the variables that we have to live by when we are boots on the ground with a team of five or six and we're communicating in, you know, uh, in, in uh, standardized format. But, you know, as a coder, you're not communicating the same way as me. Call of Duty is great, but it doesn't use those real practical yep. communication skills, right? Um, so you just have so many variables that a veteran can bring to the table. And like I said, there's shortages of uh, people in this uh, field. Uh, but one, one, one thing that separates out machine learning and AI from all the rest of the IT technology is that with limited amount of resource, you can design and develop a software based on coding and programming. But yeah, that's where you hit the threat. Uh, that's where you hit that ceiling. Now to say like, okay, uh, with limited amount of resource, I was able to develop this, and I'm stuck now. Like, I cannot cre- keep creating more codes and programming and create more software. I have to actually delve into that um, machine learning and algorithms. Uh, but in order for me to design that, I need more people, as in more experience, right? More experience of real ground experience that not the combat experience but say somebody who understands what it is like to be in a hospital in the medical floor exactly uh, hospital floor and what happens as i walk the floor as a human right um, um and how do i teach that same to the machine and if i design a machine to that do the same i need those human input and in ai machine learning you need more human actually rather than just a you know multiple output right you need more input in order to develop a very precise output, because um, uh, you know, you, you, you're more 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 garbage you put in, more garbage you're gonna get out. Just like software coding, right? Mm-hmm. With AI, it's like you gotta be more precise with what you're putting in, and putting in more variable, more complexity into that system makes that AI that much more better, right? Yeah, yeah. Performs much more. Um, so this human in the loop concept, which is being thrown around. Like, like, come on, let's do this human loop correctly on AI. Because if we don't, we run into a danger of having rogue AI or AI that can be sabotaged or taken away from whoever deploys it, right? This human in the loop is very, very important. So we can have multiple variables of input and we need more veterans to get involved in this field and have these discussions um, around what happens in the ground and what happens in our a uh, little city that we call bases, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Veterans are very important on that aspect. Yeah, and you can you can actually break it down into five real 
hard, well, soft skills uh, that the veterans were going to bring you, which is going to be your customer centricity. Veterans are naturally uh, customer centric because we have that service mindset. We signed on that dotted line knowing what we were doing, knowing that you might not come home, spending hours and hours away from your family. That service mindset transfers over into the civilian world as customer centricity. Next, you got effective communication um, before a convoy, before any mission. If we don't communicate or during the mission, or if there's a breakdown of communication, there's a breakdown in that mission. And veterans don't do failure. We, we go and go and go until we achieve success. So that effective communication is built into our very fiber. Uh, you talk about results-driven engagement. What commander wants to see his soldiers every day and have no product to show? You know, they are going to come in and they're going to come in swinging. They're going to bring the products that you need uh, and be ready. The global perspective, like you're saying, bringing that um, insight, connecting the dots, attunement to the forces and events that shape the global market. Uh, you don't get that with everybody that doesn't have the same life lessons that we have learned. Mm -hmm. uh, teamwork and collaboration. Uh, I'm not even going to elaborate on that. That's that's uh, just a given. And then your critical thinking and problem solving, making the right decision at the right time with the right initiative, right, and backing it up with facts, assumptions, and risk analysis. We do this every day, every second of every day. It's it's what we're grown to do, you know. So those, those are the, the five soft skills that would really benefit any organization. No, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, and, 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 and those are the skills that, that you come in when you come in from, um, when you're not from the private sector and you're coming in from the armed forces and you're coming into the private sector and you're transitioning over, uh, when I go to hire people, you know, I, I, I interviewed and hired, I don't know dozens of people in, in my time. And I, and I look at the, you know, the, the individuals that have the, the experience, the individuals that have any type of armed forces experience and what they bring to the table. And at the end of the day, in some cases, or in most cases, if not all, I'm always going to hire the veteran because they may not have the perfect skill set at that moment. But, but I know that they're at that point, they're like clay. I can mold them and they have the discipline already. And that's the hard thing to get from people now is get individuals that are ready to hit the road running. You know, they're ready to hit the, the workforce running and they have a drive because they know already what it takes to get the job done. Just like you said, you know, you don't, it's not that you don't, you, you don't fail, you will fail, but you don't want to fail and you are results driven. And that's the thing is with people that come in from the armed forces, whether it be the Marines, the Air Force, the Army, what have you, they all have a, a discipline. They know what it takes to be part of a group. And you can't teach that. You know, that is, that, that's bred into you. And when you get people from the armed forces, you know you're getting somebody that's going to hit the road running. And, and it's hard to find people like that. I've, I've gone between. You know, I said, all right, well, let me see how this guy in college does. Well, I, right now, I'll be honest with you, if I got – you know, a few resumes in front of me, I'm going to hire somebody and I, I'm not going to take anything away from the guy that's in college. You know, I'm not saying that they're not ready, but the past three years, kids in college don't have a realistic view of life. 
you know, working from home, school from home, that stuff, it's good. It feels good to have that type of option now. We know as a workforce, it's great to work from home. I get to hang out at home, make a sandwich when I want. But when it gets down to really getting the job done, you want those resources in a building away. And I hate to say not away, but you want those resources not to be always at home and be remote. And and I think we're going to, the, the big the big thing with COVID is it drove a lot of those kids to think that's the big norm now. You know, I'm not going to take a job unless it's going to pay me X dollars and I get to work remotely. Well, that's not realistic. You know, it, it can be, but the the work is, the mindset is to, you know, get results driven, get out there and work. And I don't think kids out there coming out of college have the right perspective. And so I'm always going to hire the veteran mm-hmm. every time. You know, yeah, there's, there's, a lot to unpack there, but you know, those, those college kids, let's, let's keep them with the entry level positions and not say needs two years of help desk experience to be hired. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's where they need to be. Um, I mean, not all of them I'm generalizing. Yeah. And and then your veterans coming in as somebody that can enhance the team. Uh, That's one thing I really liked about Deloitte is uh, they don't, what they they don't make mistakes in hiring every mm-hmm. personality type every skill set is needed in some way shape or form to make the organization successful and to advance whatever mission whatever ai whatever machine learning we're working on uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure they wouldn't have been around for over 100 years if they didn't <laughs> realize something that was you know pretty significant and the way we're going to get there is education crosstalk both ways Mm-hmm. employers and hiring managers, what veterans bring to the table. And also, on the other hand, teaching veterans what they bring to the table and how to translate that and what mindset to come into the workforce with. Yeah, absolutely. That's um, like, you know, I, 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 uh, I've been to the Deloitte University over in um, South Lake, and I can say what, how they have it set up where – they're engaging uh, the you know human capital to the max. I think uh, is is a is a marble admirable approach, and especially you know as a veteran, uh, I can appreciate how they're tapping into the veterans community, right? Um, be it officer or enlisted. I think uh, just to go back to the AI machine learning and the importance of veterans is just to say you know I will end with this: um, we need more of a designing of AI machine learning. Um, before we develop it, right? There's an ongoing proof of concept of machine learning, as in you you don't want to spend too much time just designing. As you're designing, you have a, a continuous integration and continuous development, right? So you are continuously developing, but you're focused highly on the designing piece of it because there's a short-term goals that you have when it comes to a developing a proof of concept in machine learning, but you have a long-term vision because that long-term vision will allow you to say yes to the fact that, yes, you can, not, you can commit and dedicate to monitor and trigger this um, machine learning once it's deployed, right? Uh, this AI that once it's deployed, you're able to monitor and keep it up to date and, and you know, do continuous development as in, you know, whatever version one you start in 2021, in 2031, you're going to have version 30 of it, 
right? You're going to do so many iterations of that machine learning uh, AI in order to scale that AI to a point it's not just return of investment, but it is able to actually sustain itself and provide you with all the services that you need. Um, but the design concept is very important, and that design concept requires so many different types of personality, right? Mm-hmm. Not just coders, not just the business process owners. We're talking about somebody who's ethical-minded, right? Somebody who's going to say, look, I see the business need behind it, the business justification. But once you do an impact analysis, you see the ethics don't match up, right? Um, a mission-oriented person mm-hmm. who believes in that mission statement like they believe in their last name, right? Um, they're able to say, look, this is a business mission statement that we have set up, and it does not, this project that we're working on does not reflect that mission statement, right? It, it goes contrary to that. And to the ability to speak up to those points, it, 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 you know, you cannot just be born with it. Like, you cannot just be taught that in a one-day workshop, right? You have to be able to live through that. And I think veterans bring that mission focus, you know, the believing that mission statement um, uh, is very important to that designing concept because you have to be able to speak up. You have to be able to speak up even if nobody wants to hear it, right? You have to be able to talk about ethics. You have to be able to say, there's lots of safety component put into this machine learning design as we see it, but this is not enough, right? Like this is safety for the business process, but not for the users, right? Users might be harmed by any sort of bias that might come out of uh, this machine learning and AI. And which, I'm not making this up. This is happening as we speak. You know, there's a lot mm-hmm. of AIs yeah. that makes financial decisions for consumers as they look for loans, and they're not getting the right kind of loans because, you know, something about AI has a bias behind it, right? Um, so so, so the, the ability to speak up and being very ethical, I think something that military veterans bring to the table, and that's very, very, very important. Yeah. Agreed. And, I mean, there's, we're, we're already, we already have all the supplies to, we have every ingredient to make this, this recipe, right? Uh, every organization, every platform is collecting all this data. I mean, if you look at YouTube alone, that's they're they're pulling in 262, 263 million hours of video per year are newly updated, uploaded to YouTube. And then you go through, well, how do you go through all that data? Um, there's seven billion people on the planet, but you can't put every single one of them in tech to go and you know peruse through all this data. And that's that's where our AI and machine learning is going to come in. And my final note on that for veterans looking to get into it is just try it, right? Uh, I was coming out thinking I was going to be a project manager, just like every other veteran that has served in a leadership position. And somebody told me, hey, why don't you just try something that you've never heard of, never tried before? There's no risk in it. Just go do it. Um, Do it while you have that opportunity to do a Mm -hmm. skill you have the opportunity to do a fellowship. And honestly, if there are commanders out there denying those requests, they need to reevaluate themselves as leaders. Agree to that for sure. Mm -hmm. I agree completely. And thank you. Well, uh, thank you, Anuj, and thank you, Lucky. I mean- uh, Oh, thank you so much. What a a conversation, right? Um, In case you haven't picked up, I've been hyped on some, uh, caffeine. Um, <laughs> Are we going to get a little voice thing going on too? 
you and me both. I had to go get cafe soda so I could make it through this because I've had laryngitis the past three days. So I was like, oh, man, uh, I don't want to miss this because, you know, anytime we have an opportunity to speak, it just feels so good to get these podcasts or get through them. That that in itself just gives you that positive, you know, energy. And 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 so, yeah, thank you. But, uh, yeah, I, it was tough for me. But, yeah, thank you, uh, Cafe Soda from the Vietnamese pho place. Yeah. Dude, I could sit here and talk to you guys for another two, three hours. I don't even. We have we have tons to unpack, and I think we unpacked it very well within the short time that we've been given. Um, but Anuj, that means you know, part two, chapter two. You know, the episode, um, you know, future episodes, and you come back and we continue this conversation because we have to commit and do some follow up and see how we can improve. The, the veterans community's awareness about AI machine learning, because that's important in my opinion, not because it speaks well for the business communities, but it speaks very well when we uh, give the veterans uh, a, a opportunity in the line to get in front of the line and say, you know, um, let's try this. And I don't think any veterans can ever disappoint anybody because I'm a proof for that. I, I've been in that organization where they gave me that opportunity to come in and say, you're a veteran, you can walk right in. And I did that. I literally had no interviews, uh, walked in the first day, asked for an interview. They're like, no, this is the day you start the job. <laughs> um, I, 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 that, that kind of opportunity, I've never let them down. I've worked very, very hard and approved myself, right? Um, but with that, um, Lucky, any departing word? Anuj, any departing word? Uh, that was all I had to say. Um, let's wrap it up and go to our kids and attend to them. Yeah, my only final thing would be, you know, I got to give a shout out to my mentors, Bernard Boyu and Gary Guzman, who introduced me to the Four Block program. Four Block is a nonprofit. I won't go too deep into it, but look into it for your transition needs. It's a top shelf program uh, that prepared me for success. And I, I have to give them a big thank you. A big thank you to you, Asif, and Lucky for having me on. It was really a pleasure. Uh, and you guys are doing great work. Well, Anoush, thank you. I'll keep it short. Thank you very much for today. And uh, it was great, you know, great, great conversation, dialogue. And uh, I look forward to having it more time with uh, or having another conversation with you and, and doing this again. Thank you both. We'll talk soon. Totally. I was going to close it out with the I-I-I. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, that was rough. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. All right.